there, and welcome to the Life Saving Gratitude Podcast. I'm Bunny Terry, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Johanna Medina. This week, we have a special treat for you. Tiffany Wynn is a spiritual life coach, and she helps a lot of people, especially busy professionals, achieve what she calls it reconnecting with their truth and living authentically. But what I can tell you about Tiffany is that through life experience, even though she's young, she's figured out that um, you have to change your thought processes and you have to have to look at the patterns in your life and, and figure out how to transform your life at its very root. She came up, she immigrated to the United States at a very young age and 16, in fact, and found that her biggest enemy in life was loneliness because she didn't speak any English, as well as her perception of herself. I, you know, when we talk to Tiffany, we get the idea that she, um, felt like she needed to be an uber achiever at the same time that she didn't feel particularly um, adept or as um, she says, there was a long time in her life that her brain and her heart were not connected. And as we know from, from the other guests that we've had, that's, that's essential. And she came up with in the midst of getting a doctor of pharmacy and becoming a Tibetan meditation master, she also created something called the Happiness Blueprint. Um, Tiffany is quite a force, and we're going to include resources where you can uh, check out the links to her website and find out a little bit more about her. But I think you're going to find this podcast especially fun and refreshing. Um, It's it really is, as as her um, one-page press release touts her um, abilities, it, she, she really has figured out how to achieve inner peace in the midst of a very busy daily life. So stick around, especially stick around to the very end where she outlines the happiness blueprint. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, for rating, and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts, and thanks for checking in. So we're here today with a special guest, Tiffany Wynn, and I said that correctly, right, Tiffany? Yes, you did. Yes. Okay. And... um, Tiffany is somebody that we connected with online primarily because she is, you know, she's, she created something that, that, that immediately caught our eye called the happiness blueprint. Um, We like to talk here about life changing and life saving gratitude, but it's also important to us not to be, um, toxically positive, but to be mindfully positive. And Tiffany, it just seemed like you were a great fit for this podcast. I'm so excited to visit with you. Thank you for having me on. Well, we're, we're, um, we're just excited that you made time for us to record this, but I, you have a really fascinating story, a fascinating origin story of how you came to this. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and 
and and why we're here today, why you're here today. Sure. So I am Tiffany, and I'm a spiritual life coach and also a full-time practicing pharmacist. And uh, I been doing this for quite a few years. Um, I mostly on my business, uh, the spiritual side, I help people to reconnect with this truth and by helping them tracing their thought patterns and figure it out, uh, getting through the confusions and uh, reconnect them with the truth. And in doing that, they tend to find the happiness and the peace of mind and the inner peace that they were looking for on the way. So that's been very fulfilling. And I'm here to, you know, talk about anything that you guys want, the philosophy, my philosophy of business and how I do and work I do. Well, you know, I, I know that people really connect with stories. Um, tell You immigrated to the United States at a very young age, right? Yes, I came to the U.S. at the age of 16 by myself. And uh, I would not recommend that for what? Tell tell me about that. Did you just, re, I mean, most 16 year olds don't say I'm going to immigrate to a new country. How did that come about? Did you just make up your mind one day with that? Did you have family here already or? Uh, so it's actually very popular in a developing country to seek to study abroad um, mm-hmm. to get a better education. Uh, so in Vietnam, uh, my family was okay uh, financially, we kind of middle class, and I d- was doing well academically. So even even way longer than that, uh, starting all the way in middle school, that um, the school and family already was kind of gearing me to uh, prepare to study abroad. Um, just because the higher education is much better e- either in Europe or America than in Vietnam. It's just the degree going to be more valuable. And so it was quite popular option. So I was a very shocked or surprised. Uh, what is shocking was uh, the U.S. gave me the visa before uh, the European country uh, because ah. I because I didn't know English. So that was one of the surprise. And, um, but I do have an aunt in Colorado. So I was like, yeah, sure. My family feel more comfortable if I uh, go to a country and have a, a relative there instead of a country that I have zero family relative. Um, so that's why I came to the U.S. Uh, when I was 16, uh, during high school, when the U.S. like, sure, let me... Uh, let me uh, experience the U.S. And I was figuring it couldn't be that bad because I saw some U.S. movie and it was seemed like everybody was partying up here and life was very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and being a teenager, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I don't have to study a lot. Everybody here to party all the time and everything to work out. Um, it wasn't like the movie. And I was naive enough to did not do any research. So, <laughs> What year was that when you came to the U.S.? Uh, it was uh like 2006 yeah okay i'm just trying to think like you know where were we in that time or how yeah. things were going <laughs> it was uh it was i mean where when i came to the u.s it was very a shock first of all for the cultural shock and second of all um the language barrier was really difficult uh because one of my biggest fear was loneliness 
And because of the language barrier, I cannot communicate, and I become very isolated. And uh, people um, for for the for my first year in the U.S. Um, in that area, there wasn't a lot of uh, color people in the high school, and uh, so people thought I was mute and deaf because I did not communicate at all because I didn't understand anything. Um, so it was very rough. It was starting my uh, Dark Knight of the Soul kind of experience. Um, so it was forced me to become even more isolated. And it pushed me to have a uh, toxic coping mechanism by just trying to be busy. And I would just spend time with anyone willing to spend time with me. And that become quite toxic. Uh, eventually, life did get better, and uh, I eventually learned English <laughs> and culture and moved to sunny Florida to pursue my doctorate degree, and life did get better, a lot better. Um, but I never actually do with all of that emotion. I became very good at um, compartmentalize emotions and just focus on a goal and just go for it. So very high-achieving uh, trait. And it came down on, it wasn't like came crashing down on me. Like I don't have really like a wake up call one day. It was more gradual. It just over time, it built up this general dissatisfaction at life. And more and more, I was just very confused when I seemed to have every check off all the boxes, like all the achievements that I wanted to do. I have a career, good career prospect and I was engaged and uh, I was just miserable and I couldn't figure out why. And it came to a head one of these very casual days. It was a very one small moment. Um, I was launching around uh, after an exam and uh, my best friend would just mention, just commented that uh, she wished she has a relationship like mine. She, she said, oh, it's so crazy you know, to have to be a lovey-dovey and uh, everything seemed to work out great and I was just laughing that uh, it wasn't that great I don't know what you're talking about and and then I just laughed it off that I have cold feet um, but it was that moment that my best friend just looked at me very honestly and asked me why and eventually I broke down and told her about all of my dark night of the soul experience and how I got into a very unhealthy relationship and I thought I was just a terrible person and I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was waiting for something to happen, bad karma to come back and bite me in the ass or um, feel like I just have to earn the happiness a lot. I don't really trust anything. And it was that vulnerability that was beautiful because she reciprocated. She also shared her own past, which become very similar. Uh, but what's stuck out was we both believe each other deserve the best happiness there is. Um, we just couldn't believe it for ourselves, but we believe the other deserve it. And um, several months later, when I was contemplating while driving on the long drive alone, then I had the light bulb moment that if I switched place with my best friend and she did exactly everything I did, I would never even thought less of her, never consider it. And so I realized I was too harsh on myself and I never actually forgive myself for any kind of mistake I did in the past. And I would just stuck there. Um, so that's what I did. So self-forgiveness really 
trigger uh, all of my uh, inner journey. And that was the huge starting point for me. And after that, it was more, um, it, it was easier to uh, don't have, to don't be in denial and face the truth of what I really feeling and what was really going on. And so I broke off the engagement and um, really moved forward like to really live truthfully and honestly to how I feel and what I think. It's, it's been quite, quite a dramatic change um, on the inside over those few years. That, you know, that's kind of a recurring theme that comes up is um, we're always our harshest, our own harshest critics. And um, even uh, it makes me think of my, our friend Ishvan, who said, you know, he had to learn to forgive the people in his family. He had a, a, a family background that was rather harsh, but he also had to learn at some point to forgive himself. And it seems that we don't teach. I mean, that's something that we don't teach in American culture is to embrace your flaws as much as um, the rest of you. I mean, we're so geared to achievement and, and that's, that's an amazing thing, but man, you can't expect a 16 year old or a 26 year old or or you, you can't expect perfection every single day of yourself, especially when you've done the things that you did. I mean, you moved to a foreign country. You didn't speak the language. You um, wanted badly to fit in. And then when you didn't, you kind of beat yourself up. I think that, so how I, I'm, I'm curious to know, um, what that, what that process, like, did you have to completely reorder? You, you speak of thought patterns. So I'm really interested in how you had to reorder the way you think. So it's more gradually. Um, first I would just, uh, the self-forgiveness because I'm naturally very, um, honest and brutally honest persons. And so when I was in denial, it's bring up these huge confusions. And I'm the type of person that felt the worst when I was in limbo, when I didn't know what's going on, when I became very indecisive and I don't know where to go or what I should do. Um, again, I think a lot of high achievers have that issue when we lost some kind of direction and wasn't sure where we're supposed to go, what we're doing next. It became very uncomfortable. And uh, very confusing. And I would just in denial, like, no, 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 this is working fine. I, I would just deal with this. This is fine. Even this misery, but it's fine. I know what's going on. And so um, one of my good blessings was uh, after I uh, forget myself, I had enough courage to face whatever I'm going through. And I realized that I hated myself. It was a lot of self-loathing and zero self-esteem. And I also um, have good analytical skill, like my brain, and I um, contemplate a lot. And, uh, and it was also good luck around those times. Several months later, I stopped by Japan, um, my teacher, who is a Tibetan meditation master. And I had been trying at that time uh, for three years to meditate, try to get this elusive inner peace that everybody was bragging about with meditation, uh, but I didn't 
succeed because I always fell asleep whenever I tried to meditate, no matter what time. <laughs> so I thought we, it was a lost We know about cause. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was a lost cause, you know, it was just wasn't for me. Um, and, but when I stumbled upon him, he was teaching me meditation and uh, it finally clicked. It's finally stick because I'm like, all right. Um, it was just like Lazu said, when the students ready, the teacher appear, and that was how that moment was for me. And uh, after that, there was a lot of great Buddhist philosophy and um, principle, and uh, he would explain those to me, and that was very eye opening because he wasn't like you know just. Uh, it wasn't like he just sat me down and tell me a bunch of principle at the time, but it was more like going through the process of learning. And there's a lot of contemplation in my own practice. Um, and then sometimes he would just say a sentence that's help pointing out some kind of uh, truth and help get the light bulbs going off. So that has been very helpful with the light. Uh, with the thought patterns and also because precisely because I broke off the engagement I have a lot of alone time and also that this pain that's coming up from facing all the past and facing all these uncomfortable feeling now right to nasty feeling of how terrible I felt about myself and it was all that kind of pain that's really helped to put, um, to see the pattern clearer, like uh, much more clarity. And uh, and that was how I started tracing back and going a lot of uh, writing, uh, reflection exercise, a lot of contemplations. And always, it's always come down to like a decision. Once I know that it's all starting out from, we each have our own perceptions and our own like very subconscious belief because it all formed from our personal experience from our culture where we grew up and it was just like about perception so if we if anybody read harry potter we just know that you know like when we see like a twist a story twist like we hate this uh professor snape for a very very long time until like toward the end of the series then it was just basically just one paragraph talking about his story that flipped our whole perception. And we feel completely 180 degree difference about that character. And that's similar to life in every aspect of life. When we change the way we think about something, we also change the way we feel about something. And it's automatically change our decision um, about whatever we choose to. Well, there there is a phrase that I learned probably five or six years ago is, you know, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. Um, and, and it's two different things, you know, it, they will change in your mind, but also the power that they have over you will change. And it's, um, it, it's a conscious choice. You know, it's like you say about Harry Potter. It's funny you brought that up because Johanna is sort of a Harry Potter fiend. Huge. I was like, oh, now you're speaking my language. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. But but it's so true, isn't it? I mean, it's a tiny detail, but you have to consciously accept it. You know, Harry Potter had to accept that about Professor Snake. But, um, and, and, and sort of his perception about, Hogwarts, everything there had been 
some of it had been based on how he perceived Professor Snake. So it seems it's so funny because your entire life can be based on a perception. Yes. And yes. yeah. And then you, you modify that perception. You choose to modify that perception. And suddenly you've, I don't know. Do you think you sort of rewire your brain? How does, what do you think about that? Is uh is a gradual process. Nobody mm -hmm. just wake up overnight and have right. your brain rewired. Uh, it's all start with first uh decision. First of all, to face it, and second, to actually do something about it. And it's gonna be a practice. And the wait, once I have this clarity and I recognize what I've been doing, why I've been doing that, and whether I want to change that kind of behavior or not then I go on and actually start changing it. So it started out with just like a practice, like when uh, becoming more mindful of my emotions and my thoughts, that like the essential, that's like always all the time, like 100%. Um, so even when nothing goes on in my life, I still need to keep that level of awareness up to be aware of uh, my emotions and my uh, thinking. And... Just so I never have to uh, um, try to avoid falling into the state of confusions as before. So always have to keep that level of awareness. And then that level of awareness help to catch when the, a trigger come up or when a similar situation come up. And what I would have acted like before and got swept away with all the overwhelming emotions before I have this tiny bit of window that I'm aware that, okay, this was my trigger and this is what I typically would do. And then because I was aware of that, I would, rec I would recognize that, okay, you know, maybe I, um, maybe the way I felt is wrong. So let's, let's take a break and let's take a breather and uh, think this through a little bit or, or decide to do something when I'm more in a better state of mind. And that's how being helpful, that's awareness. And then eventually the action that I chose to make with that awareness had changed. And over time is uh, it changed my life from that. So it's a gradual process. And then eventually it just become like a natural practice. Well, and don't you, I, I, I mean, I know this is really a simplistic way to approach it, but but the first thing you have to do is know what your triggers are. I mean, I have to tell you, mm -hmm. I'm 60 years old and, and I know <laughs> that I have a few triggers. You know, I have some, you know, just, just because I, I know they don't listen to this podcast. I have some sibling triggers. I get in the room with siblings who um, I don't have perfect relationships with and I become a 15 year old again. And I have, I'm working really hard on those triggers, which is even though my brain takes me back to that place, I have to know that when I get in that room, I'm actually not 15 years old again. I have to, I have to reclaim some of my own power and my own peace. But so it's interesting, just, just the idea of knowing what your triggers are. And um, that's really the big game changer, like. As long as you're aware what your triggers are, the name of the game is to catch it. The further along you are, you just catch your trigger earlier and faster. It's not about you not going to be triggered anymore. I mean, eventually you might get that happy ending of never get triggered again by that the same thing. But most of the time it doesn't. 
because we have our own personality, and sometimes there things are very ingrained in us that something is just irk us, and it just triggers the hell out of us for you know for no reason. Probably just our personality. Um, like for me, like especially, and I find this: it's not about like the situation that triggers; it's about the people and how mm. we feel about them and how they make us feel. And it's just certain people, especially family member, like I had uh, a struggling relationship with my own mother. So sometime, uh, something she said, it was maybe very simple thing, very small thing, and it would trigger me, and I would snap. <laughs> it's basically <clears throat> so. Yeah. So our journey, the the goal is not about you know trying to become this. Perfect sense that you're just loving and positive and never get triggered or anytime.、Uh, that doesn't happen. That's just not realistic. And we all have different reactions to different things, and we all have our own personality, how we deal with things, how we um, like um, like even in meditation or like even when we study or something, we each have our own way to do things. And that is specific to us. So very similarly, we gonna respond to a lot of trigger very differently. the The game is just to、um, the goal is just to become aware of it. So we just、um, recognize the trigger, and the earlier and the faster we can recognize the trigger, the more power that we have in our own choice. Because once we recognize it, then we can choose to you know just. Be at the moment and act like we did before, or we just like okay, let's let me just have a, a time out for like a minute, and then we come back to the situation or something like that. And that has been helpful.、Um, but the most thing that required of us are two things. First is honesty. We need to be brutally honest about what really triggers us, how we truly feel. We cannot.、Um, that's the thing. I. Really learned the first thing was、um, no matter where I go, I have always to take myself with me, so I can't <laughs> <Right. laughs> run away from it. That's、no、so matter, bad. That's so terrible sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So like, no matter how I try to bury myself in work or you know try to forget and just you know like sometimes when we get into relationship, we tend to lose ourselves in relationship. Oh yeah. And we just really.、Um, Take on that relationship as part of our identity, and we kind of lose ourselves in the in the process of it.、Um, but no matter what, no matter how a little bit of shred of you remain in that relationship, you can never lose it. And no matter what you do, no matter throughout life, whatever happened, you have to take yourself with you, and、uh, you cannot run away from yourself. So it really required that brutal honesty to face whatever we truly feel when we truly thought. If even if we acted nice on the outside, if we acted like generous,、um, even、uh, I think this is very popular when we say yes, when we really want to say no, when we take on something, even though we say yes, they're like, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll take care of it. But we were like, dang man, now I have to do this. I really don't want to, but I do this. It was that brutal honesty to actually admit it to ourselves first. Uh, maybe the only time, but we need to admit it to ourselves. And the second thing that we really need is courage. We really need courage to see all the、uh, undesirable part of ourselves, and to also have the courage to make a different choice. Well, and and you 
you got to this place with help. I mean, you had a spiritual leader and, and I, and I think that people tend to feel like if, if I look for a mentor or a leader, it's an admission of some deficiency in myself, but don't you think it's essential or, 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 or it's certainly helpful to find somebody who can be your coach or your mentor because I, and, and, and how do people even go about finding somebody that can help them in that way? So I think the spiritual aspect is essential to ourselves. We all have a certain kind of belief in something and we might not think it's as important, but it is because uh, we might not think about it every day, but suddenly when something comes up, when something challenging comes up, then what will be the first thing we think of? When we have something challenging come up that we have zero control over, the first thing we will think of is a spiritual aspect. Uh, usually like, oh God, there's nothing we can do. So I guess I'd have to pray for it. So spiritual aspect is essential to us, but we don't really um, spend time and effort in thinking about it or in, you know, um, uh, put put some put some work into it to make sure that um, it's growth and it develop. Like we take time and effort to learn a lot of skill and learn knowledge and all that stuff, um, but we don't really learn about something so essential to us like uh, uh, spirituality. And we just lean on it when challenges come up, and we just lean on our spiritual strength and spiritual aspect and help us do to go overcome. Um, or the challenges and it might not be ideal because we never really spend time in learning our own spirituality um, so it's very personal prospect but it's very essential and I would say having a um, mentor or a teacher or a coach um, is really helpful it can accelerate your healing process your learning process as a very good rate and sometimes you really need them uh, sometimes they um Sometimes you don't even have to seek them out. Everybody can be your teacher. Um, but to be purely that kind of role is good. Um, just like, you know, let's say my mother triggered me so often. She is my teacher. Like she, because she gave me the, the trigger that I can learn so much about myself. Um, oh, but- no. Are you saying the siblings that I have trouble with are my teachers? <laughs> yes, they are. Um there is a little bit different with the teacher that we didn't ask for and the teacher that we actually seeking out. Just like, you know, um, when we go to school and we probably don't have a choice of what teacher we get on our subject, but we can seek out tutors that kind of help us to go through all that stuff. So very similarly with like, if we seeking out, you know, a mentor or a therapist, counselor or teacher or coach, that's very similar. That means that we intentionally want to develop and grow something of us and we're seeking help. And, you know, that's just like any other subject in life that we want to learn. If you want to learn cooking or drawing, then you seek our teacher. So very similar with the spiritual aspect. Uh, you, you, you said something I've been thinking about a lot recently um because we don't we only look at the spiritual side of ourselves when we find ourselves in crisis and i was thinking the other day what if i spent the same amount of time 
in spiritual learning, in studying the things that I that are part of my spiritual belief system, what if I spent the same amount of time doing that as I do learning more about writing and, but you know, I've, we've taken a crash course in how to do a podcast. What, what if I spent a similar amount of time and energy in spiritual growth as I have in personal growth and in, you know, learning how to be a better marketer and a better podcaster. It seems that it would be life-changing. It would, um, but it does, you know, need some kind of uh, state of mind and uh, the type of teacher that people seek. So got to be the right time, the right place, just like the sure. last, last two course when the, <laughs> the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. So I would say, let's say for somebody that is actively experiencing some kind of trauma, some kind of uh, abusive situations, the uh, a mentor, a spiritual mentor or a spiritual teacher, probably not the best bet. They should look right. for professional help. Try to get them to the good state of mind first, a good state of survival first before they seeking out things. So I think for the spiritual coach and mentor, it have to be at a certain right uh, time in life that you want to be let's say if you're struggling to find a job or um, if you're just struggling to survive it's definitely not a good time right nobody nobody can think about the happiness when they're starving it's just not realistic also another thing that they want to be it's going to be the right state of mind and is very difficult, almost impossible to um, receive the help, to actually understand whatever the mentors say when they are in denial. If I met my teacher, let's say, even just one year earlier, I would not, I would have not followed him because I could not understand what he was saying. I was still in denial. So if we're still in the state of mind of being denial or... Um, we haven't built up the enough courage to be honest with ourselves, to actually admit it and uh, admit that there is something going wrong and we want to change it without that kind of honesty, without the kind of courage and without that conscious choice of like, okay, we want to do it, that motivation, then it's probably not a good time to see a mentor. You'll be wasting your time and money because you're not ready yet. Um, it has to be in that ready state of mind to be open. If you, we are so close-minded, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to change, but it has to be very specific, you know, so we're not open to whatever their wisdom is or whatever their way, whatever, got to be completely different thinking from us. We're not open to that yet. We'll be like, okay, I'll follow you, but it should agree to my belief and, you know, not quite there. Um, but again, on the other side of hand coin, when people look for a spiritual mentor or coach, you really have to know your own value. You know, like if if they're looking for a mentor, first of all, you want to know they are authentic. And second, you want to, um, I guess sometimes it's hard to know somebody authentic unless you know them for a very long time. Um, but essentially, yeah, you want to, I guess you want to follow somebody good. You don't want to follow like and find out they are uh, 
uh, let's say they're criminal and you find out like, wow, I followed the wrong person. But make sure you have, <laughs> right. you know, like, make sure you have like, you, you know, your own more moral first, you know, you want to actually follow someone that ethical. Just, first of all, ethical first, because it's hard to know when they're authentic or not, unless you know them for years. But at least follow someone for ethical. And then, um, you know, say something you believe, like, you know, if you feel really strong about social justice, then you want to follow somebody that equally as strong about social justice. You know, don't don't follow that people that not really that advocated for it and then you get upset about it, you know, then it's going to hinder the, the learning. And um, the main thing of looking for a teacher is resonance. You have to resonate with what they teach and how they teach. Just like when we go to school, we can have like five math teachers, but there's one that it just really like, like the way she, the, they, the way they teach you math is just, easy for you to understand like you can get it you can do it doable that's your favorite teacher so that's going to be the similar kind of resonance that when you're looking for a spiritual teacher like it doesn't matter if they're very famous or if they're very well known if the word they say and the word they write or the how they teach does it it's hard for you to understand they're probably not the right person for you you have to find someone that resonates with you and Helping you easy to understand. It's like making things click. And that's going to be the one that you resonate with. And that's the one you should uh, seeking out to work with. So I'm, I'm dying to know about the happiness blueprint. I'm, I'm, first, I'm, I'm interested to know how you came to create it and call it that. But also, what is it? You know, we, all, we always like to give our listeners a really practical piece that they could that they could look at today and and begin to use in their life. And it sounds like that's what you've created. It is just a very simple idea. And it's just from working with a lot of people and from my own personal experience that I came up with this. It's, um, so it's similar to um, if you uh, heard about Ikigai, in Japanese term is about you know how to find their purpose and the good the job that met for them the the work that met for them so very similar with that so my happiness blueprint is consisted of four circle which is basically the four man pillar in life um, and is all have a little bit of uh, hierarchy order but not quite very well set defined boundary but there is a little bit of hierarchy. Um, so there are four of them. So the first one is um, basic needs. Like like I mentioned before, like everybody, the, before they can be happy, they need to ensure that their basic needs are met. They need to be, you know, clothed and shelter and have food on the table. They have this kind of basic need. Like if they have to worry about what to eat tomorrow or where to stay tomorrow for shelter, they most likely not going to be happy and they're not going to be seeking happiness anytime soon until that basic need is met. Um, so that's just common sense. And then the second part, uh, the second circle so the basic need is one, and uh, it's just like I said, basic, right? <laughs> don't don't think that I need a BMW to feel happy. That's not a basic need. So. No, so, no, no, just basic need, you know, survival. And then 
The second part is basically their purpose or their passions. And it doesn't mean that they figured out what their purpose or what they're calling yet. It's basically they aware of what makes them happy. Typically, it's a hobby. Typically, it's an interest. And we all need that in our life to know what brings us fulfillment and meaning. Um, you know, like it's easy to say that, oh, God, yeah, I enjoy pizza and binging on Netflix. But that doesn't bring you fulfillment or uh, meaning. So that's not it. To get that circle, it typically something, um, most of the time is either very creative or very serving other people. So it's either like you create something very creative in the area, like painting, drawing, uh, making something, baking, um, and ranging to, you know, when you're passionate about something. So that's the, that's very kind of like leading you toward that circle. Like maybe you're passionate about environment, maybe you're passionate about animals, something like that. Those are the glue that um, the glue to to your uh, purpose. <laughs> so that's you need that in your life, something like that. Um, that aspect. It doesn't have to be their job. Like, what's the percentage of people that work in the job that they absolutely love and would die for? Uh, hopefully, not many, because that's just not not working. Well, I would I would I would bet that there's a really small percentage of people that their job is actually their life purpose or passion. Yes. And I would say this is very against the grain, but I would say it's not necessary for you to work in a job that you absolutely love because a job is a job. You need disciplines. You need to be good what you're doing. You need to be competent. And also there's going to always be the bad day and the good day in the job. And if you work something very passionate, I think this one uh, entrepreneur kind of like um, comes upon on their entrepreneurial journey is when you do something you really love and an obstacle come up, sometimes that passion can become a burden and it might not always be good. So it doesn't, so, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's good to you know, a job is a job. You don't always have to love it. Uh, as long as you don't loathe it and hate it and just really right. impact your well-being, it's fine to do the job. If you're good at it and if you're easy at it and if you don't mind doing it, uh, it's fine. You can just do the job. But as long as it gives you that energy left, give you that time for you to pursue the other thing that make you meaningful, like maybe you're um, not crazy about being an accountant, but it gives you that kind of mean and the time to also volunteer, uh, let's say for Habitat for Humanity on the, on, you know, on the side, that make your life very fulfilling. You know, you can, so you can have LO, you know, so you can have everything. So that's the circle that, you know, um, a lot of people trip up on because they're like, oh, and then I need to find my purpose, my one calling in life. I need to find it and that will be sad. And it's not true. You know, sometimes people have different purpose, different calling. And sometimes we don't even need to know what our purpose or calling is because uh, it might change and we might have many. And mostly just the thing that we're passionate about, that typically your purpose. Um, so that one. And then uh, the third circle, which is even more important than that, is the relationship. Because 
human being, we are social being. We are not meant to live alone. We are always um, interconnected with others and interdependent. From the moment we were born, you know, we already need other people for us just to survive. And that's very similar thing with our mental, um, uh, our mental health. And it's easy to strive to be independent. And like, uh, we all like to be independent. We all like to stand on our own two feet and not, you know, rely on somebody all the time. In a way, it's good, but also don't lean too much toward that direction because it can be toxic. Because at the end of the day, we need other people. Um, and if we isolated on ourselves by ourselves on an island, we're probably not gonna survive. You know, we need uh, food that people farm and made, and you know, so we need social bond. And the relationship is important because we, as a social being, not only we need like just socialize with other people, we also need a meaningful relationship. And um, obviously the relationship that gives you so much trigger, that probably the, not the one, <laughs> even though it's meaningful, but it's probably not the one that brings you fulfillment. Um, but we need that at least one relationship where you feel loved and appreciated, uh, but most of all, if you support it. Um, it's a relationship that, it's not necessarily required to be a romantic one, um, but is being very emotionally intimate. That person know the truth of you and still supporting you. And not everybody have the luxury to have it, but the one that I would have, you know, I would explain and help people strive for is meaningful relationship. Is you can have a lot of meaningful relationship. The main thing is, first of all, you have to be honest and don't put up like a face to pretend so to please other people, so people like you. Um, but it just be who you are. And that a relationship that can give us a lot of safety just to be supported. Uh, that's the one that... Um, so the two things that need from that relationship that we were looking for, first of all, is the, the safety that we feel so we can be, can be ourselves. The second one is to be understood, to um, to be supported, to be understood. And as long as you, in your life, you have just that one person that can do that, no matter who they are. They can be friend, they can be um, mentor, can be your spouse, uh, your family member. As long as we have that one person in our life, that's really help. That's really help. And... Um, and not for pet. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, my pet is my soulmate and they don't understand me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's possible they can be your soulmate, but uh, we're talking about human interaction over here. They're going to need a higher level of understanding. Thank, thank you for that. I mean, we live in a community where a lot of people say, my dog is absolutely my soulmate. I'm like, Oh, I don't. Yes, they can, <laughs> but they probably not going to understand. Like, let's say you're going through an illness, the dog probably like, I love you, but I mean, they they can they, they think they're not capable of understanding right. a lot of things right. going on. So we're, we're we're not knocking pets. We're just saying that they're not this relationship that you're talking right. about in this circle. Yeah. And yes. what's the last one? I'm excited. I'm the excited last to hear that. one is the most important one, and 
is after you got the basic need complete, that level complete, then you mm-hmm. agree to work on all these three circles at once. Um, that one is yourself. So you are the one that drive your own universe because of your perceptions and of how you think about things. And that in turn, um, that really in turn dictate how you feel a lot about things, how you make decisions about things. As soon as your perception change, everything else change. So yourself is the one that really need to um, be working on and spend the most time in it. Um, even when you don't know your purpose, even when you haven't found that meaningful relationship yet, you yourself is the first one and the most time intensive that you need to put in and the one that you need to maintain throughout life. Uh, and then every other thing will fall into place. Um, but the one about ourselves, we really don't have any idea how to work on um, because we were not taught to. We tend to get right. taught to um, uh, to focus. Let's say we taught about focus really on the outside. Just like when we were asked when we were young, like, what do you want to be? You know, everybody was picking a profession, you know, like I want to be doctor, engineer, lawyer, all that stuff. But nobody said I want to be happy. You know, like it's never crossed our mind to actually learn about it and train about it. Um, but it's something to learn about. So first of all, we have to learn about ourselves. First of all, we have to know our own morals. Um, and I, th- I've, I know that this sounds very basic, you know, to know one own moral and value. But I guarantee you, you might not know yourself. <laughs> like, I know I'm a good person and you think that we understand our own moral and value. Um uh, yes, on the basic sign that, yeah, we, you know, want to be a good person and don't want to harm anybody. Yes. Uh, but deeper than that, what is your value? Like, are we do we value freedom the most? Do we value relationship the most? What do we value? We need to figure it out. And if we never spend time thinking about it, there will come a time <clears throat> that... Uh, inevitable we there will come a time that our brain and our heart are not in line and they are fighting each other (laughs) that we have internal conflict let's say um we know that we should do it but we really don't want to that's a conflict that tend to happen when we don't know our own value then we're gonna have that internal struggle when we don't know then we just like maybe i should maybe i don't that's where the a lot of indecision and uh, decision paralysis happen um uh, where we have that internal conflicts. So we need to figure out our value. That takes time. And uh, another one is honesty. You know, that take, this is really all the whole journey to take a lot of honesty and courage. Um, so a lot of people will think that, you know, my value should be freedom and uh, bravery. Uh, you know, like you cannot just think about it. You have to explore and actually feel it. Um and don't just pick whatever honorable character from the movie of a hero and just think, yeah, that's that's my value, you know. Saving the world, that's gonna be my value. Uh, that probably not. That's probably not it. And the value for each person is different. Let's say, for example, for me, I have always thought my value gonna be family, uh, a family person, very oriented, um, everything for my family, and uh, very relationship focused. And it turned out to be not true. And uh, through a lot of exploration, I found out that my value, number one value, 
Uh, so my top two value actually was honesty. <laughs> that seems to be the running theme for me. And uh, second is freedom. Uh, so completely different with what I thought. I would ne have never thought about it, but it was actually freedom. Um, so it came to, so it's like a personal sh experience sharing that when I uh, finally figured that out, I found, the reason I found that out is when I was, when I feel that I wasn't free, when I feel that I feel constricted, let's say, um, let's say for example, my mom, sorry, mom, hope you're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm making you my uh, example so much. Um, so something like that come up, like usually the triggered relationship really very enlightening about what your value is. So for my mom at that time, we have a very big fight and I did not feel that I love her. I have so much anger that I feel like, why am I your daughter? Why did I choose this? <laughs> like, I did not choose this. And this is ridiculous. And I would just have a lot of anger. I did not feel any love toward her. I would just have like, I don't want to see you anymore. I hope I never see you again, kind of thing. It was, it was very, a lot of anger. And um, what was, the light bulb came off for me was when I went away. Uh, I um, I couldn't handle it anymore. I'm like, you know what? I need to take a a personal short retreat. Let me just take a weekend away. I rented a cabin somewhere and just give me some space in a moment. Literally, the the moment that I drove away, just putting space, make me feel relief and make me be able to feel the love that I actually have for my own mother that space and that was the epiphany come on that huh so space is something very important for me and it wasn't actually space it's freedom so I realized wow freedom is actually very important to me if I uh, before I always thought you know my value is going to be loyalty and love and that is um, if I don't feel free if I feel like I have to do something if I feel obligated to please my mom or something like that if I feel obligated to please other people I will not feel I won't be able to feel the love so that was um, so obviously freedom would be my number one value uh, so that was very epiphany and um, that's been helpful and that also helped with the perception so they're like Oh, okay. So now that I have the full picture, I know my value. This is the situation with, let's say, with my relationship with my mom. Now, what do I choose to do? And uh, so that's put a really different light on my decision. It turned out to be the same. <laughs> you know, like when we make <laughs> when we make a decision to please others, we're like, oh, I do not like to do this, but I feel obligated to do it. Um, but now when I know it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I know all of this stuff and I still choose to do it because I really want to uh, her to be happy. And it wasn't really a big deal for me. It really, really, really doesn't matter that much. Um, so yeah, and that made me feel very different about the exact same decision, but feel very differently because like, okay, I choose to do it, not because I feel obligated to do it. So it's just this small tweak but very important on your own spiritual journey to figure out your value. Um, so that's 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 a you yourself circle. You need to know your value. That's the exploration and curiosity and honesty to find out. Um, and really just don't jump and change it. So we really need to have that open mind about ourselves. Uh, what I tell a lot of people is like, 
especially when people come to be when they already in a um, uh, intimate relationship and they tend to have a struggle. They they tend to have challenges. That's why they that when they find me, it's uh, funny. Um, but I was saying like it's gonna be a sign that you don't know who you are when you know your significant other better than you know yourself. Or when they know you better than you, better than you know yourself, because you with yourself twenty four seven, and they with you less than twenty four seven, and they know you better, then you probably there's something misconnecting here. And uh, it's it's my sound sweet, like yeah, I know my you know spouse better than they know themselves. It's my sound sweet, uh, but there's potentially some issue there. Like why don't they know themselves? Um, it's fine when we the spouse that say, yeah, I know them better. Uh, but if we ourselves know that they know uh, themselves better, then you probably need to take yourself on some day. You need to get to know yourself. Get to know. I love wait is I love that concept. Take yourself on a date. Spend some time alone. Get yes. to know yourself better. Sort of. I, I don't cultivate a relationship with yourself. Right. Yes. And that is very important. That would be the most important circle. So once you have the basic need um, in place, so you don't have to worry so much, so you have that uh, mental space and energy to spend time on thinking of other things than survival, then the yourself circle is the one that you need to focus on the most or the first thing you need to focus on. And then the purpose and the relationship will naturally follow. And they also very align with you. Because once you know yourself, you will know what you like. You will know what you're passionate about. And so that will naturally fall into your lap. And because you also know yourself, you're very honest toward um, uh, in daily life when you act towards. And that will just attract the right person that come to you. You know, when you, you know... Um, be, be a little bit critical or cynical, whatever, and you're honest about it, the person that, you know, understand your belief or or understand what you were saying, they will also like, hey, I understand you, you know, and we can be friends and stuff like that. So naturally, the, the other two will fall into place. Um, well, and I also think, um, Tiffany, it's it's so important to know yourself so that you can say no to things that aren't in alignment. I mean, I think the basis for a lot of unhappiness is, for me personally, I'm typically a people pleaser. So a lot of my unhappiness has come from places where I felt like I needed to say yes every time somebody asked me something. And um, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm still learning every single day. But what I'm learning more and more is to say no to things. Um, it's so important to know what to say no to, right? Yes, no is a very powerful word and we need to learn to say it in a way that is true. Um, I would say like when we decline doing something, we should also check our intention. You know, like we can say no, like, oh no, I'm very busy. Or no, like in, in a spiteful way, like, no, I don't like you. I don't want to do it for you. You know, they depend on the mood of the day. You know, if they ask us on a different day when we happy, like, yeah, maybe I can do it. But like on our bad mood day, like, no, you know, like we're not going to do anything. Um, so, so I'll know it's good that that's the first step. But the longer on the journey, 
the more authentic our no should be. You know, we say no for the right reason. We say no, like, no, that's really not aligned with me. And or like, no, um, uh, I think like I know that I should do it. Or maybe like I normally I can do it. But it's probably not um, good. Uh, not good for you or something like that. Like we, we might be able to see a bigger picture. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say that, yeah, saying no is the first very first step in the in the journey. And it feels very, very hard uh, at first. And eventually the no get more, um, you can get deeper into the no. We can get to check your own intention. You can get a very authentic no to the point that you feel so strongly about it. There's going to be zero internal struggle whenever you say no. And, so I, uh, yeah. I, I, we, I know we're going to run out of time and that you have another appointment soon, but um, I, I, and I'm, and I'm fascinated about some other things that I saw in your bio, including your um, intuitive tarot reading skills. So I'm going to ask if at some point you can come back. I'd, I'd love, I'd love for our listeners to hear more about that, but um, I, I've been on your website, but I'm, I want for people to know how they can find you and is the happiness blueprint on your site somewhere so that people can get a little more um, acquainted with some time with how that works. Yes. So um, people can find me through my website. Uh, I don't have a lot of social media present. I only have Facebook and um, I don't have any other social media. Uh, Just a lot of time wasting on social media. So um, the happiness blueprint, actually they will get that. Uh, It's not like show very clearly on the website, but where the guide that I put out and popular with people is uh, steps to move on when things don't work out. Actually, when they signed up for that um, for that guide, the happiness blueprint will be included. They will get that uh, email about happiness blueprint in uh, in the three day, in the third day, I think. So after they get that one, a few days later, they get the happiness blueprint also. So that's how they're gonna get it. <laughs> well, so we'll so we'll post links to how to locate you. But I, um, I, I mean, there, I, I know. Johanna and I were both writing the whole time you were talking because there were so many gems there. But um, I, uh, I think one of the best things I heard was um, create a relationship, take yourself on a date, create a relationship with yourself so that you can really know yourself and know um, and start to perceive yourself differently. Am I right? Is that? Yes. You might think that you think of yourself a certain way but you really never question it on SMI how true it is. And once we have this open mind, when we become curious, you know, like similarly, the the exact same mentality when we go on a date with somebody, when you're curious about someone and you're really open about it and you're eager to learn about it. So do it with yourself. Then you will learn a lot about things with yourself and it might be something different and it might be something wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is, it's, it's been fun. It's been enlightening. And um, I don't know about you, but I love meeting new people who, um, I mean, we're, we're all on this path of self-awareness that leads to happiness. So thank you so much for being here, Tiffany. We'll talk again. Thank you, Bunny, for having me.
That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life-Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry, that's me, and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at Life Saving Gratitude Pod. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. <laughs>